Welcome to the Lawn and Garden Podcast with University of Wyoming Extension Specialist Jeff Edwards and co-host Jerry Urshabek. Originally aired on KGOS and KERM in Torrington, join Jeff, Jerry, and their special guests as they talk all things gardening in Wyoming. Our Lawn and Garden Podcast helps you improve your home garden or small acreage. Good morning, everybody. This is Jeff Edwards. This is the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Program. With me today, my co-host is Jerry Urshabek. Good morning, Jerry. How are you? Good morning, Jeff. Starting off this morning with a smile. Excellent. Good to see you. You know, the sun's shining. We should be smiling, right? Absolutely. Also joining us today is Roberta Luke. Roberta is a master gardener in Goshen County and local producer, and we are happy to have you here. Good morning, Roberta. Good morning. So let's take a moment and listen to our sponsors and we'll be back in a bit. University of Wyoming Extension events will not be held in person through May 15th, 2020. Our educators are hard at work planning virtual education and activities. We will continue with much of our programming digitally on our website and official Facebook pages. See what we're up to this week at wyoextension.org or visit your county Facebook page. Do you have questions about the coronavirus or COVID-19? Go to uwyocnp.org slash coronavirus slash uw-extension to find reliable information, community resources, and recipes using the food in your pantry. Okay, we're back. This is Jeff Edwards. This is the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Program with Jerry Urshabek and Roberta Luke. And so... Roberta, since you're our guest today, what do you have on top of your mind that you'd like to talk about? Well, I um, I hope everybody is getting ready to plant their gardens, or some of them might have already planted their gardens. Some of I have them not have. Yet. Some of them have. It's a little too early to plant outside, I think. Yes. Uh, I- cons- considering the weather this week. <laughs> I was going to say, we had 32 last night. I <laughs> ran out and checked my apples. And they're looking okay. They were um, leafing out, and they were about a half an inch. So I think I think they made it through at my place. I, I think apples will be okay at 27, maybe, but anything below that, they'll be in trouble. Uh, Jerry, before we go any further, since we're talking about blooming things, I got to tell you, you need to have your brother check his apricot tree because my mother says that her tree in Riverton is absolutely loaded again this year. Hey, isn't that fantastic? And I just was talking to my brother just yesterday, and the apricot tree that bloomed last year is not blooming, but the one right next to it is really doing well and blooming out a storm. So he was surprised, and so was I, that after all our cold weather that we've kind of had intermittently through the past couple of weeks, that he still has some apricot bloom. So yay. So I got to tell you, my mom gave me, uh, we've talked about this before, but gave me uh, tree starts, seeds from her apricot tree. I have three growing in my yard, and I'm convinced that they're sterile males. I don't think they're ever going to bloom. <laughs> they're, uh, they're probably 12 to 15 feet tall right now. I've trimmed on them and hacked on them and, and uh, trying to get them to do what they need to do. And I've decided I'm just going to let them go wild because there isn't a thing they're doing right now. So, <laughs> Well, I think that you should just have some patience with your apricots because uh, my brother's trees are like 25 feet tall. And he got okay. them from my neighbor who was eating apricots and just spit the seed out. And voila, <laughs> 20 years later, we, ha- we all have apricot trees. A Johnny apricot seed. Yeah. So uh, my brother's apricot trees, and they are a really pretty tree. They're they're just a nice, robust tree, whether you get fruit or not. And you have no idea what variety they are. Oh, heavens no. Okay, right. So I don't either, but I'm hoping I'm still alive by the time they start producing fruit. (laughs) (laughs) So, Roberta, do you have uh, fruit trees other than apple trees? Uh, Yeah, I have a pear tree and some cherry trees. Um, I just had to replant some of the cherry trees. They've got, oh, they pretty much died out when we got that bad freeze a couple years ago. And so um, I replanted some of those. 
Yeah, so, unfortunately that happens. We have to be aggressive gardeners and just take care of them instead of trying to nurse them along. And But, right. but that's it's a hard decision, right? Uh, yes. Diane and I, Diane and I have uh, two honey locusts in our yard that we planted as sticks. And uh, about five, eight years ago, we had a pretty significant hail out here. And uh, two of the three took the brunt of it and just have never fully recovered. And now we have secondary pests and they are pretty much 90% dead except coming up from the bottom. So I will be uh, taking them out and uh, throwing them into the burn pile, which is also depressing. (laughs) Jeff, have you ever thought about uh, uh, grafting your rosebud onto the bottom of one of those? Um, Would that work? I don't think so. I think they're too far apart uh, relationship wise to have them to have that graft successfully take. Oh, so yeah. I don't think they're in the same family. Uh, I think uh, honey locusts are more uh, bean type plant related and roses are not. So uh, I, I just don't think that they would survive. Even if it's a rosebud tree, a rosebud tree is still a well, rose? They, they'd have to be in the Rosaceae family and I don't know anything about a rose. Huh, I'll be darned. Yeah. So that's the that's the secret about grafting is they have to be in the same family, right? Yeah. yeah. They they have to be clo- fairly closely related. You know, you can get purchase those um, what do they call those uh, fruit salad trees that have yeah that have uh, a pear and an apple and maybe a uh, something else all grafted onto the same tree. I've never seen one of those actually produce all the three varieties of fruit at the same time. So I don't think, I don't think that's a, a really good way to go. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there a tomato like that too? Uh, a potato cross with a tomato or yes. something. Yeah. I think I've seen those and you, I don't think you're going to be happy with either one of the crops yeah. that you get I, off of that. Particular I don't think plant. so either. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you get stumped like labradoodles, but, they're they're all dogs, right? But yes. with plants, you have to have something that's pretty close, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah I yeah, think yeah. that's a I think that's a topic we don't want to go down, Jerry. That's oh no, a... no. I just <laughs> just well, sprung into my mind. Isn't most apple trees grafted onto a crab apple tree? Well, it it depends. It depends on. Um, I don't know that they're necessarily grafted onto a crab apple, but I think that they're they're grafted onto varieties that are more cold tolerant, so that we can grow different varieties further north. But yeah, I the majority of the apple trees that we get are grafted onto some other rootstock, mm-hmm. just just to help their survivability. And I actually have I have one that uh, was a flowering crab, not fruiting crab, that I know was grafted onto something else. The top died off and the something else is living. So the the, the new apple tree that I have actually produces fairly decent sized apples when it started out to be a fruitless flowering crab. <laughs> but it's an ugly tree. Uh, it's I don't know if I'm going to keep it or not, but it's one of the only ones that's surviving as far as... Uh, <laughs> The flowering crabs that I had. <laughs> and sometimes you even want to keep those ugly trees. Uh, yeah. So, well, they, they, make blossom into a, they make blossom into a swan. Yes, exactly. In yeah. Wyoming, we want to keep every tree we possibly can, right? Right. Right. So, Jerry, rototilling festival is over, right? For the most part, yes. We have rototilled. We've started making our walk paths we put up our uh, hog paneling for vertical growing and uh, continue to rake and make the, the walking paths hard pan. Okay. And so uh, it's easier to get around in walking on uneven soil. But yeah, there's a couple of spots where I'm, I'm thinking of growing corn and so I want a furrow. So that means that uh, the rototiller has a furrow attachment and I want to make two rows of corn uh, with a furrow in the middle. And, sure. uh and so I then, wanna, the, when when you uh, put the furrow in, do you flood irrigate right down the middle middle of that? Yeah. Yes, I okay. will. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, I'll, I'll, I'll flood irrigate and as well sprinkle. So I find that for myself and my activities, I use a sprinkler. 
I know that a lot of people say, oh, you're just inviting weeds. And I said, well, that's, that's our activity. That's our exercise. So uh, uh, the furrow will catch both uh, rainwater, sprinkle water, and irrigation water. Okay. All right. Um, Roberta, are you, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you garden. You have a vegetable garden. Is that correct? Yes. In fact, yeah, I'm uh, putting in a new one this year because I'm running out of space. So <laughs> I put in, an, uh, it's one that I've had compost sitting there for many, many years. And so it's it's a good, uh, I don't know, 30 by 20. And, okay. and then I have another one that's about 30, well, it's probably 30 by 40. And I put new manure on it. So we did till it up to about eight inches or so. And so that's where we're at. That's all I'm at right now, which after last night, I'm glad that um, I haven't put anything in the ground because uh, (laughs) it would not have been good. But yeah, so I'm putting in a little bit more corn and and green beans than I usually have. What what do you primarily like to grow? Um, Flowers. (laughs) 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 <laughs> that's usually my go-to flowers and roses so uh do you prefer annuals or perennials perennials oh yeah yeah I, and i've started just doing lots of shrubs because you know it's a lot easier and so i've been putting in a lot of shrubs around and some that are definitely hardy that'll last out here so jerry well, are you a are you a shrub kind of guy well yes i i have been and and uh we are now in our second, I think, second year of Forsythia R. I'm going to do a shout out to our mayor of Torrington, Wyoming. He has a Forsythia growing on his front porch in a container. I've and driven, it, I've driven past that and noticed that. <laughs> and it is doing well. I, I need to call and talk to him about whether he puts the, the plant back into the garage during the winter. We. It, it's not a plastic one, is it? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'll have to confirm that as well. That would be a great one to do. It uh, would. It'd be perfect. <laughs> but we have, and, and whether or not he put his in the garage, I don't know, but we have ours in a couple of small cement planters and we left them outside and they overwintered well and they are now starting to bloom. So I'm really appreciating those. I, they, they have just a, such a nice yellow bloom and as well, we also had sumac and roberta if you water them they will grow and they will grow in response to where you water so they'll follow they'll follow that line and and if you don't want them somewhere it's a booger trying to get rid of them but hey congratulations they are lovely they're lovely i just need i need some windbreak and i just i just I'm going to give it a try. One of the things that I uh, really like and enjoy are viburnums. Have you ever had, either of you had experience with viburnums? I've tried them. I just, I don't know if it's my salty water. Oh, okay. I've actually got one spirea that has actually lived three years. And I just, it must be the salty water just gets them. Interesting. Yeah, I, we've got six, I believe, in our landscaping, and then we just planted three more. But the ones that have been around the longest, which I think is eight or nine years, they're probably almost eight feet tall. Is it they, the snowball? Uh, the snowball viburnum? Uh, no, I don't know what variety it is, but it's not the snowball. It's uh, okay. something else. I, I really would like to get the uh, Korean spice viburnum. I don't know if you guys have ever smelled that one when it's blooming, but it is a really nice, pleasant odor that that one gives off. And yeah. um, it's just one of those things that it's we're just on the edge of the USDA growth zone where it tolerates. And I think you'd have to put it in a really protected area in order to get it to go. But, you know, viburnums bloom. They, uh, they produce interesting little um, flowers and fruit. And unfortunately, the squirrels like them. <laughs> So, you know, you're feeding the squirrels eventually, too, but uh, it, it, it all kind of blends together, right? Right. So we well, also... I, I was going to say, I do have a hedge of lilacs, but they're not as hardy as everybody thinks. I've had to put windbreaks. I mean, I've had to put pallet windbreaks behind them to Creating survive. Micro, and, 
creating right. microclimates to get yeah. things to work. Yeah. And um, they, they have finally, this is probably the fifth year, but they're not very, I mean, they're probably about five feet tall. I've, but. I've spent this spring trimming our lilacs. We have a hedge that's 25 feet long. And then we have a, uh, a miniature, some type of miniature lilac. I don't know what it is, but it's oh, only it about Miss Kim. Miss Kim. Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah. Um, uh, now those things are very woody, very tough, and I'm convinced that lilacs are nothing but weeds. <laughs> they can be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so uh, if you guys ever make it to my house and you look at my lilac hedge, you're gonna go, "Holy cow! You really went after them with the pruners." Well, I, I have. If you're an arborist, yes, I went after them with the pruners and really thinned them out. But if you're an entomologist and you look at them and you realize that there's a bunch of different things going on, I had scale insects, I have lilac borer, and I have those uh, notcher weevils, those black notcher okay. weevils. That So I have three different pests that were just really going after them. So um, I got in there early and trimmed out a lot of the older wood where I knew that the lilac borers were in and put them in the burn pile. And hopefully I can eliminate that. And now I can do a little spraying and maintenance. I, I open the canopy up and, and I know that everybody says, don't trim your lilacs in the springtime. But again, but, I'm not an arborist. I had other reasons to trim yeah. that. <laughs> but I don't think this year you probably won't get a good bloom, but next year, oh, you're gonna you're gonna be amazed because yeah. I had to do that with my the the old Harrison rose, which is also called the Oregon Trail Rose. Okay. And the year my daughter graduated, 2015, I thought, oh, I can't wait. I'm gonna have it outside. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be everywhere. It did not do anything. So that summer after I bloomed, I got in there and cleaned all the dead out. Uh -oh. It was amazing. The next year it was gorgeous. Or um, bringing on a good bloom the next year for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to bloom again this year too. But last year was the first year out of eight or nine years that they did bloom. So oh my. <laughs> to me, it's a hedge, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and they're have, weeds. Yeah, very... east, so it does pretty good. It blooms, but yeah, I, I have to trim it back. I trimmed it back a lot in that video on the master gardener page. That's okay. one, of, one of them I wanted to bloom and cut and prune back because it was it was it was eight feet tall so yeah and it's funny lila sorry jerry i'm talking over the top of you um it's it's funny that uh the different techniques that people use to uh prune lilacs per particularly to me the about going about two and a half feet tall and just trimming everything off oh yeah just buzzing all off. Is, yeah. is that your method jerry <laughs> No, it hasn't. My wife won't let me do that. I, I I go after old stock, but our lilac bush is, gee whiz, I, I can't even imagine. It's 50 years old at least and uh, very hardy, very, very hardy. So I only go after old stock, but I've had neighbors that just like you, taken them down eight inches above the ground and they come back to 10 foot again. I mean, yeah. it takes, takes a couple of years, but gee whiz, they are so hardy you can really abuse them and still they'll be okay. The I, I only look thing at them. That, no, I'm sorry. I keep yeah. talking over you. I, only, I look at them now and the, uh, <laughs> the, um, the suckers are just exploding out of the crown. And that's what I was trying to eliminate to begin with. So I'm probably going to go back in and just trim them off again before uh, the end of the season, just to get rid of the, yeah. back the new works. Backhoe works pretty good too. I don't have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> if you're really, if you're really wanting to take care of your lilacs, a backhoe is probably the best thing. Right. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> all, all, all good stuff. You know, I think this is time where we can take a natural break and, um, listen to uh, more from our sponsors. So we'll be back in a bit. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Podcast, presented by University of Wyoming Extension, extending the land-grant mission across the state of Wyoming with a wide variety of educational programs and services. Visit us at yoextension.org.
Looking for the best way to keep up with all the news from University of Wyoming Extension, the College of Agriculture, and Wyoming Ag Experiment Stations? The UWAgnews.com website features real-time education, research, and extension events, and feature stories from across the state. Bookmark UWAgnews.com today and subscribe to our monthly email newsletter. UWAgnews.com, growing people, knowledge, and communities. All right, we're back. This is Jeff Edwards. This is the KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Program with Jerry Urshabek and Roberta Luke today. And we're spending some time talking about shrubs. And, I, you know, we haven't we haven't quite mentioned pumpkins yet. Do you want to mention pumpkins now? Talk about sure. pumpkins? I can always mention pumpkins. <laughs> so we're still giving out seeds with the giant pumpkin contest. And we're still having the availability through the extension office. We're requesting that you call and uh, make arrangements. The number is 532-2436. And we have a question to, to the audience to see if we can give away one of uh, the this, this couple of the seeds that our Wyoming pumpkin grower won and beat the Wyoming record. His name was Andy Corbin, and his pumpkin weighed 1,491 pounds. That's that's huge for Wyoming. Well, when we're talking about the world record, you know, that's somewhere around 24, 2,500 pounds, which is absolutely a small house. But uh, we have a question that whoever can call into the radio station and have the correct answer, they're going to have two of his Wyoming record-breaking pumpkin seeds. The first person to call in with the correct answer. With the correct answer. Yes. <clears throat> so we always talk about, well, we don't always, but we've talked about companion planting in the past. And besides pumpkin, there's two other things that they plant together, formerly known as the three sisters. If you can tell us what the other two sisters are, pumpkin being one, you can win those pumpkin seeds from Andy Corbin and pick them up at the radio station. How about that? So get your pumpkin seeds. If you, and if you don't win the giant pumpkin seeds, call out to the extension, make arrangements and get some seed and put them in the ground. It's not too late. Oh my word, it's not too late. So some people direct seed and that's like after the 15th or the 20th. And some of us will plant our seed prior in a container and then transplant it. I have done that, yes. You have? I have three of them growing right now. So they're not, I mean, they're about two feet and they are ready to go outside. Oh yeah. So I'm just waiting for, I, I suppose I should make a little tent for him. That's what I'm going to have. To oh, yeah. Now, I spoke with Andy the other day, and he said, yes, he puts heat coil in the ground, first mm -hmm. off. Then he builds a little plastic, kind of like low tunnel. And then he has a bigger plastic, higher tunnel. So he's insulated twice, plus has a heater in there, uh, a little portable heater. So, man, he's really uh, going after it like big time. Uh, th that's some of the problem with a smaller grower that doesn't have quite the capability or the initiative to put all that effort into it. And so, Roberta, if yours get to be too big, are you going to pinch it back? Are you going to do something to curtail it? Well, I have it actually it's already put on some buds and I pinched those back and I just I mean I just had to because um, <laughs> I, I was afraid of it blooming before I even got it outside. I do want to say that Andy Corbin has a Facebook page. It's Pumpkin Fanatic. If you want to go see his pumpkin plant, it is huge. I mean, I, the one of the leaves is probably two feet wide already. Wow. And um, I know Jay Richards from Warland. He is, his Facebook page is Jay's Giants, I believe. If you want to, anybody wants to go see his. And both of them are the, the top three competitors in the state. So it's always good to see other people's pumpkins. 
So that is one of the reasons why I had to make more garden space because I didn't have any place <laughs> to put my pumpkin. So. <laughs> well, that one plant will occupy the whole 30 by 30 space, right, Roberta? Yes, pretty much, pretty much, yep. <laughs> it certainly can, but you can grow in as little as 10 by 10 and still have a fairly larger than what you would normally think of pumpkin. Even if you have a pumpkin of 250 pounds, that's a significant pumpkin and one worthy enough to come to the Growers Association way off and weigh it and say, hey, look at me. Or, hey, maybe I could get a, a, a small prize because what if everybody else gets hailed out? You still have a pumpkin to weigh. Yeah. And uh, Jerry, yeah. can you, can you, if you had a appropriately sized container, can you grow the pumpkin in the container? to start it out, but not to grow it in a container. The roots mimic the vine. And oh, if you've okay. ever seen a pumpkin oh, yeah. vine, holy cow, it puts off. And just imagine that root underneath the ground that mimics the vine. Right. I, I think that you would really stunt the plant and uh, uh, you would get something, but I, I wouldn't imagine you'd get anything that weighed significantly large for that, for that container plant. Unless you were direct feeding it fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it still needs those roots. Yeah. yeah. That, that's one of the main things is the vine, the whole vine, as it goes along, it uh, has roots every little section. And that is what gives the energy to the pumpkin uh, and, and the weight. Yeah, as well. Yeah. As well. That's called a leaf juncture. And uh, that's where two leaves come up. And if you put a little bit of soil on top of that leaf juncture and if you happen to pull those up you'll see that there's roots coming off of that leaf juncture so you basically have to be a pretty dedicated individual to grow big oh no no <laughs> <laughs> we've had winners in the past that have said this came out of my compost pile <laughs> or I, I threw the seed in the ground gave it a drink of water and a kiss and walked away yeah. and Gosh, I've had third place winners, fourth place winners, that that's their exact MO. I put it in the ground, I gave it a drink of water, gave it a kiss, and walked away. And, and brought it here today. And, yeah, brought it here. <laughs> Look at my pumpkin. <laughs> what did you do? Did you not hear me? I said I put it in the ground, gave it water, gave it a kiss, walked away. So, Roberta, as you are preparing your garden space and thinking about things to uh, get into it, are, have you been able to find all of the seeds that you have wanted, or did you order early and those types of things? Well, actually, no. I, um, there, I did go online, and there was a lot of varieties that wasn't there. Um, I think I did that early March, and okay. there was a lot of bean seeds, shortage of beans, and peas and carrots um so yeah i i uh, i just picked a different variety um of some seed but yeah there was a shortage for sure yeah so um you know if people want beans and peas and those types of things if you can find dried ones in the store mm -hmm. you can plant those right right the pack right. the package that you buy on the store on the shelf to eat to make bean soup that so you can plant those and have beans wait a minute what really yeah i never i never knew that well they aren't treated with anything so there isn't any reason why if you just go buy them off the shelf you can't grow them so one would normally want to soak those because they're older beans correct potentially yeah, I, yeah. and i would i would go through them and take out all the busted halves or whatever if they're busted or cracked and look for some nice decent beans that are still in good shape and put them in the ground Water the heck out of them. Mm -hmm. There you go. Put it in the ground, water it, kissed it, walked away. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my sentiments exactly. So, so you know, there's some there's some things out there. If uh, there are ever a lot of shortages, that you can still just go to the store and grow. Mm -hmm. My my one thing that I do know is that if you take a stalk of celery that you buy at the store, and you know you're cutting it. And if you cut the, I'm going to call it the butt end off of the celery, about two and a half inches, put it in water, 
it'll re-root and regrow. Have you ever tried it? No, but I've seen it on the internet. <laughs> but it will regrow, but is it going to be edible? That's the, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that's, that's the other part. It might just be a stew celery at that point. <laughs> well, all right. I need to, I need to try what I'm talking about. Apparently you can do the same thing with pineapple, cut the top off, plant the top. I know they talk about, and Roberta, have you ever heard this, that you take a stalk of your rose bush and put it into an apple or a potato and wait for it to grow? I've heard that in Austin. Um, actually, I was just reading up on that, the, the Harrison rose, which is the yellow rose that we see. That's how they brought them from back east. It actually was, uh, I think, a guy back in New Jersey, and he brought it, well, on the Oregon Trail, and that's how they did it. They brought about out, wow. put it in a pumpkin or pumpkin. They put it in a potato <laughs> and brought it out. So I I haven't tried it, but so uh, Roberta, this Oregon Trail rose is that the nice wild yellow rose? Yes. Oh yeah, I love those. Yeah, they they it's either called the Oregon Trail or the Harrison Harrison rose. Harrison, yeah. So and it smells really they. It doesn't last very long. It's just a five-petal rose. Well, no, it's a little bit more than that, but um, it smells really wonderful. But You bet. Now, do you know the name of the pink rose that is also kind of that accompanies that? I, I just think that's an old-fashioned rose that they found in the cemeteries. I don't know the name of it. I call mine Caroline because I have a friend that I got it from. And, and her name was Caroline? Yes. So. <laughs> That's one good way to do it. Yep. <laughs> That's how we name our cats is all of our relatives. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so uh, is it too late to be trimming roses or is now a good time to be trimming roses? It's, it's a, probably a little bit too late, but you could okay. still get in there. If you see some stems that are, have not, that do not have any buds, definitely you want to go ahead and trim those off. Um, this rain should have, it's going to do wonders for them. I've already fertilized them um, already. The first fertilizing, the, the first setting, whatever. And I, um, yeah, I've trimmed pretty much all of them. So. Okay. I'll let Diane know it's time to fertilize them. Yes, it is. <laughs> and then what do you fertilize with Roberta? Well, I always just buy the Bill's Rose food because it's, it's for Wyoming. It's for our soils, and he's got sulfur and calcium and everything in there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's formulated for our area, and it does wonders for, for roses. But So you must get out there and trim on roses really, really fast because I, I think we're way behind trimming. Well, I, I did it actually the 1st of March Wow! Uh, when it was really sort of nice. And there's, you, you need to do it before there's any buds that appear. If there's little teeny tiny ones, it's okay. And then you just um, trim off all the dead and open it up sort of like an apple tree. You want it to be in the shape of a vase and you want the, all the buds to face outward so that the rose grows out outward and not inward no crossing branches no crossing branches and you know one thing i did forget on the video is there's different kinds i mean like a climber you definitely there's going to be some dead um, stems in it but you don't prune as hard as you would a shrub bush or you know and i don't have any tea hybrid teas so i'm sure um a lot of those hybrid teas they cut down all the way to the bottom and let grow again so, yeah, it, it's probably not super late, but I wouldn't go, I mean, with this warm weather, I bet a lot of them are leafed out. What about pruning in the fall for roses? You could it, prune, you would just prune a, out the dead stems. Is it a uh, personal preference kind of thing? I mean. Well, it is sort of, I mean, you do, I mean, you just, if there's any dead, you could prune it out in the fall. You sort of, you can tell, you know, if there's a stem that's dead and crossing, uh, they prefer to do it when everything's dormant, but it would be okay. 
Now, I've I've also heard that when you put a rose to bed, and this is after it's totally frosted, to and you know the everything is non-growing to actually make your your rose stems bare to keep insects from harboring over winter. So they take a, a nice leather glove on and put a leather glove on and then strip all the the canes bare. Have you ever heard of that? Um, no. Um. Uh- after after it has froze, then you could go in and trim them a little bit to put under a, um, a, a protector or a bucket or something. But I've never, yeah, I've never done that. But I would yeah. cut it by, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'd want that job either. No, no, no. <laughs> believe me. Yeah. Some of those, some of those wild ones in that yellow Harrison rose. Oh my goodness. This, the thorns on that. They're nasty. Yeah. yeah. We had a bunch of, of uh, elm trees growing in our rose bush like that. And I took Jeff's uh, advice of cutting the, the tree down to about six inches and then painting it with glyphosate within 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And we've rid ourselves of those nasty, pesty uh, trees that seem to come up in our bushes. Oh. Yeah, and and I've um, reread the label on that, and it it's I've I've been trying to figure out the best timing when to do that application. And the label of the product that I was looking at says that the tree is actively growing, so leafed out, doing its thing. That's the time to cut it off and treat it. So, and I think um, the reasoning behind that is because all of the Nutrients are either traveling up or traveling down, and you're able to get the glyphosate down into the roots and totally kill the tree. So, But make sure if you choose to do that, you read the label, you pick a product that actually says it on the label that you can do that type of a treatment. And it didn't seem to harm the rose bush that was right next to it. No, it, you know, uh, they warn you that it's possible that uh, if their roots are touching and they graft together or those types of things that the product can transfer from one plant species to another, but uh, I've never seen that. I just think it pretty much stays where you put it as long as you're applying it directly where you want it. So have either one of you planted your onions yet? I, yes. Diane has planted onions and we had some over winter last year because she forgot where they were at. (laughs) (laughs) Are those the bunching? Onions? Uh, what do you mean by bunching onions? The onions that seem to come back year after year, aren't those called bunching onions? Could be. I think these were just seed sets that got planted that we kind of forgot about. Oh, somewhere about. else? Yeah. Yeah. Bulb yeah. sets. Not seed sets. Bulb sets. Yeah. 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 And then the new ones she planted this year, I believe, were bulbs, too. Yeah. We, uh, we plant the plant. Is that what okay. you call it? So we have little plants that we plant. Seedling, yeah. Seedlings. And we planted four hundred four ten foot rows. Wow. And, uh, ten foot rows. And they're all the rows are eight inches apart. And then I have a walk space on either side. And that's kind of how I really like to plant those onions. Okay. As well as garlic. Well I, um, yeah. I keep accusing Diane that she's trying to hide onions in my food and so I, I, i'm not i'm not a big fan i i'll tolerate onions before i'll tolerate beets but uh, she's always trying to hide them someplace <laughs> now myrna always says you know they say well well how did you fix this and he goes well you start off with the big three garlic onions butter. and a little butter <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll take garlic anytime but uh you're uh, not such a fan of onions hmm, no oh, man yeah. not really My uncle can take an onion, and I don't know if it's a sweet Vidalia, but he can take an onion and eat it like an apple. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. (laughs) I'm like going, whoa. (laughs) And you don't want to be around him afterwards either. (laughs) I'll tell you, if you have a sore throat and you suck on a little piece of an onion, it'll take your sore throat away. It's got to be doing something to you. (laughs) But you have bad breath, and I'll tell you. For days. Yeah. Just not so, one of my things. Have you ever had a mock orange bush? I have three mock orange bushes. Yeah. We have those. I uh, have one that's about 
I don't know, seven foot tall now and I don't know, six or seven feet around. And kind of, what a, they, they kind of go everywhere and do odd little things when they're growing. Yeah. What a, what a nice fragrant little bush that is. Yes, or they shrub. really are. Yeah. And you know, uh, they call them mock oranges because they smell like citrus, uh, when they're blooming and, uh, it's a little white flower. Roberta, do you have any of those? I don't. That's yeah. That's something I need to look into. Is it easy to um, grow in in the wind? Oh yeah. So the three that we have are on the very windy side of a bed that we have, oh. and they're they're doing fine. So oh, good. Uh, but it is one of those things that you have to go in and prune. Yeah. <laughs> and trim that trim them up because uh, they remind me of those um, crooked canes or those you know those walking sticks that folks have that are really spirally and bent and weird. That's kind of how that they, to, to me, that's how they grow. And it reminds me of those things, but uh, uh, they're kind of wispy and they can fall over. But I think if you keep them pruned and you keep the older wood that then you can get them to grow up straight and tall. And they're, they're really nice. They're really nice plants. And then we also have a sweet almond that has bloomed. And that is a nice yeah. pink little flower and, and such a nice, light, fragrant flower. Uh, so has that bloomed already, Jerry? It has. I have okay. just, there's some that are coming up that, that uh, are the young growth, the young sprouts, and they're late bloomers versus the rest of the bush, uh, rest, of the, rest of the shrub. And uh, they're, they're blooming a little bit. And so, yeah, they're really nice. Okay. Very good. Uh, the other, so, um, you know, I mentioned that I'm not a arborist and when I do trim my shrubs, I have a specific type of image in mind when I'm trimming, I want my shrubs to grow up. And if there are limbs that are laying over, or if they're in the way of something, you know, you, it's difficult to get mulch in there and it's, uh, difficult to manage it each year. So I go in and I try to trim my things so that they grow upward reach to the sky right so um, and one and one main leader that's the key and i've seen you know as a master gardener we've gone on several uh yard calls and oh my goodness i can't believe the trees that i've seen that instead of a tree they're a bush and uh, right. just, people just need to remember they just need one leader and trim it up so do you want to walk underneath it then you need to trim it you know, five, six feet, all those limbs until um, that's or, one of the keys. Or mow underneath it so that it's or, not yes. snagging you in the head when you're trying to mow underneath it. Now, I've heard and I've been accused of, of cutting it. And Amy Seiler says, hey, make a mulch ring around that bottom of the tree so you now distance yourself away from that limb. But I'm swearing to you, if that limb c catches me in the top of the head, it's out of there. It's out of there. <laughs> we, we have some we have some really large cottonwoods on our property, and for whatever reason, some of those uh, the lower limbs start to grow downward. Mm -hmm. And if they start touching me, they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, the arborists that are listening will send you dirty emails. Oh, uh, yeah, I fully I fully expect it. I uh if if Amy is listening, I'm I'm sure she'll uh, give me a call and say, "Now cut that out. Stop promoting that kind of stuff." <laughs> so, uh something I did see that I would like to share is if we buy vegetables out of the store, grocery store, we need to wash them off, but there's some people that propose to soak them in salt water. And boy, there's a lot of things that come out of that water because of the salt and and the salt will make critters hyperactive and come out of your lettuces and spinaches and that sort of thing so i found that really interesting i just wanted to share that well especially your garden I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to understand that but go ahead roberta <laughs> well i was just gonna say my own uh lettuce had a few worms and and you can you know, soak them in the in the sink with salt water or rinse them really well. Seems to get rid of all the little pests that want to be in there. But it's a good idea. Have, just to have a little bit cleaner vegetable uh, right. coming into your and, coming and onto to, your table. And to pre-salt your your produce. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that carries over. Okay. All right. All right. 
So since you've taken time to talk about pumpkins, I want to talk about my sweet corn. Yeah. So it's like almost a foot tall. Wow. In the high tunnel. In the high tunnel. <laughs> now, Good. this is not transplanted corn, correct? This is not transplanted corn. This is direct seeded right into the ground. I think we um, we started planting the colder tolerant crops the first day of spring. And then I think the first day of April was when I put the corn in the ground. What variety well, did you plant? It's it's the same variety that we've always grown. It's uh, called Montauk. It's, oh. a, it's a normal long day variety. I think it matures. It's maybe it's medium day. It's like 78 day, something like that. But uh, I'm hoping to have sweet corn by eh, middle of July. <laughs> Good on you. It won't be the fourth, but it'll be sometime in July. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so now, yeah, we've really been uh, producing a lot in the high tunnel. We've got greens and, and things that we're harvesting and, and uh, we're almost 100% planted in there. We've got our tomatoes going and cabbage and kale. Yeah. And your cantaloupe or muskmelon? Do you have no? No, we plant them outside when the temperature. It, I don't like to um, uh, waste good growing space on viney stuff. All that stuff can go outside. The only thing that we grow inside are uh, cucumbers, and that's that's one of the last things that we need to get planted. And that's hopefully going to happen this weekend. Now, Jeff, can we go back to your corn in the high sure. tunnel? Sure. So, do you uh, do you plant? them at 32 inches per row or do you kind of make sure that that is a little more compacted uh so it's probably planted closer than, i think what you're asking was is it 32,000 plants per acre no that, that, i was asking 32 inches per row 32 uh, uh, by rows apart feet? yeah rows apart oh feet apart or inches apart between uh -huh. rows okay yeah. so my my rows are 48 inches apart but I plant double rows in each row Okay. of corn, right? So uh -huh. I, I, the way that I water, I use drip tape and that drip tape runs right down the center of the row. And then I will plant a little bit heavier than what you normally would outside. So I think, I think in uh, two 30 foot uh, rows and if you're considering it to be four rows, I have 75 plants or so in there. Yeah. And between each plant, each how many inches between each plant? Like six inches? Four, four to six. Four to six. Yep. And about 48 inches uh, apart in your row? Yes. And that's four. just because that's how I design my uh, growing space in the high tunnel. To me, in, a, in an enclosed space in a high tunnel, you need to have your plants separated and the growing areas designated otherwise by the end of the season everything becomes a jungle and you can't get to what you want to to, to harvest so i've seen this in a in a lot of the high tunnels that we built around the state people just load them up with plant and then you can't get to by the end of the season you can't get to the back side of whatever you were trying to get to uh, to harvest what you want so we plant fewer plants but then you know focus on them so that we can get them harvested so i like that idea What's your temperature right now in the high tunnel? So soil temperature is um, kind of stuck between 40 and 60 degrees. It fluctuates. So like last night when it was so cold, it dropped down a little bit, but not terrible changes in soil temperature. On the nice day that we had, what, two weeks ago when it was 70 degrees outside or 88 degrees or whatever it was, it's 110 degrees in there. So uh, we roll up the sides on those days and try to moderate the temperature a little bit, and try to get some airflow going through. Is it true that corn doesn't like to grow after about 101? There is a upper threshold for all plants. And at, if, you, if you've got 101 degrees and it's pollinating, that's a bad thing. You don't want it to be that hot when it's pollinating. 90s usually are, um, uh, lower 90s are usually optimal for corn. I, I know I suffer at 101. I know I suffer at 101 <laughs> too. Yeah, walk, walking in a greenhouse, it's 110. You don't want to be working in there in the afternoon. Holy cow. That almost <laughs> knocks you over, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's pretty steamy, and you go, oh man, I just let's make this quick and get the heck out of here. <laughs> so, do you have automatic openers, or do you do you are you the opener? Um, I have two vents 
at the peak that are automatic, but they're only 12 inches in diameter or 12 inches square. So all that does is if it gets really hot, it vents, right? We have roll up sides on both sides. And then uh, a lot of times we'll leave the, I've got a Dutch door that opens top and bottom. A lot of time we'll leave the top to, top part of the door open just so we can get enough airflow through there. Now I've seen on some high tunnels that, that they have a crank attached to the bottom side of their their plastic and they roll that up is that something that you have or do you manually roll it my i have a pvc crank that i've made i have a two inch pipe that i that runs the length of the high tunnel and um i have a crank that i glued on there that and i i can roll up the plastic not roll it down i mean roll it up to open it and then roll it down to close it yeah well that makes it really handy i think Yep, I think so. Um, and it, it, you know, it's not that big a deal. You go outside in the morning and check stuff out. You roll up the sides. Big deal. And then after it stops uh, freezing or frosting at nighttime, we just leave it up all the time. So. Oh yeah. So anybody that's trying to plan anything, I'd still advise them to watch those overnight lows. We we're like last night. We we had 32, and you know the rest of this week. It sounds like it's going to be intermittent cool, cold. Uh, I know a lot of people want to get out there and start throwing seeds in the ground. I think it's a little early to do direct seeding into our soils. Jerry, local producers are direct seeding right now. So are yeah. they really? Be careful what you say. Corn's growing it, going in the ground. Well, <laughs> oats, oats are going into the ground. I know that for sure. Okay. All right. So but, yeah. But even even uh, commercial corn is growing into the ground. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. 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 They wow. started about the twentieth of April. I'll be darned. Around here, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's time, uh, and it's getting closer all the time. So um, you know, our normal frost day is about May fifteenth. Uh, I would recommend that we wait until after Mother's Day if you're really anxious, because there's always some type of a snowstorm that happens on Mother's Day. <laughs> so, um, I know the weather is changing, though. We used to plant our pumpkins Mother's Day and, and just get terribly sunburned because, you know, you want to get all those pumpkins planted. But now it seems like we have a storm or a, or a, at least a rain event. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see that we are... Bumping up against our timeline, uh, Roberta, is there anything else that you would like to add today? Just that uh, I, if uh, anybody wants some pumpkin seeds, once again, call the extension office and um, we will give you some seed. Uh, we are still planning on having our giant pumpkin way off October okay. 3rd. And we're along with it, we're going to have lots of events. We did some pumpkin painting last year. It was a big hit. And so, yeah, if anybody is interested, just give the extension office a call and we will get some seeds for you. And the number to the extension office one more time? It's 532-2436. Thank you. And don't sure. forget our question about winning right. a, a giant pumpkin seed. Yep. Please, please call in. Roberta, thank you for being our guest today. Jerry, thank you for... Uh, being the co-host and helping me uh, keep things on uh, task here. So My pleasure. Uh, Thank you. With, with that, we will uh, be back on the air next Friday. You've been listening to Lawn and Garden with University of Wyoming Extension Specialist Jeff Edwards and co-host Jerry Urshabek, presented by KGOS and KERM Radio in Torrington and by University of Wyoming Extension, growing people, knowledge, and communities 